0: Hello and welcome back to today's episode of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and it's great to have you here with us today. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. So let's get on with today's show. This is part two of a two-part series, continuing from last week with the incredible Eugene Suleiman. So if you haven't already listened to part one, then I highly recommend that you start with that because this is the second half of that interview. So without further ado, let's take up where we left off with session hairdresser Eugene Suleiman. When you're working with a designer putting shows together, mm-hmm. or any campaign that you're going to be working on, what sort of research do you do? You know, it really depends on
1: the brief, really, where someone's coming from. Um, with 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 my with my lot with my roster of people that I work with, right, <laughs> we're we're all kind of like a little bizarre in our own little way. We've all got our little quirks and foibles, right. So I think. It can come from anywhere, right? I mean, uh, the the Margiela the uh, film that we've just recently done, that, that came from a story. It, it also came from a, a group of people um, that were around in like the 30s and they were called uh, Kibo Kif uh, and they were intellectual barbarians. Mm-hmm. Right, they lived in the countryside. They had their own community. They were, they did, they had rituals, but they were all like artists, writers. They are all like esoteric thinkers, and that's where the the germ of the idea came from. You know, kind of worshiping nature and being at one with nature. So uh, that, for me, I I kind of actually I kind of really was really quite quite bizarre because during COVID, right, I spent a lot of time in my garden. I actually live in the countryside now, and I live on the top of Ashdown Forest, and I don't have neighbours. So my garden is a forest, literally. And, um, and I had no, no equipment in my studio. It was, it, was, it was all in storage. And I just needed to do stuff with my hands. I literally did. And I thought, oh, you know, and and one day I was like walking around and this branch, it'd been like raining and this branch had come off a tree. Right. And I I looked at the branch and it was, it was really beautiful. And I thought, I'm just going to make a hair accessory from this branch. So I kind of whistled this branch into this uh, hair pin, but I kept the branch Right, and you know, like the the bark on it and stuff like that, and it still had leaves and it was this massive thing. And I just kind of like started getting into carving wood, (laughs) right, and making these hair accessories uh, out of this. And when I had my Zoom call with John, I said, Oh, you know, like you're going to think I'm a bit weird, John, but you're probably going to like the fact that I'm really weird. (laughs) <laughs> and he's like, well, of course, Eugene, you know, you know we love weird. We love, we love ideas that are coming from somewhere. We love ideas, don't we? And I'm like, absolutely, John. And he said, well, well, my dear, what have you got to show me? Because he's, uh, he's, he's, he's probably uh, one of the campus men I've ever met in my life. He's fantastic, fabulous. <laughs> like, he really is. Uh, and I said, well, I've done this. And he went, oh, my God, do you know what we're doing? And then he told me the story. And I said, oh, it kind of, it, it all ties, it all kind of ties together, right? And uh, because we're coming from the same place, aren't we? It's like, you, you know, and I said, yeah. It's like, I absolutely love the idea. I love it. Mm. And it's really weird because if you think about um, where we are at this point in time, you know, and what we've experienced, you know, like not being around a lot of people, You know, we kind of need to feel a connection with something. And a lot of people have been feeling a connection with being outside, you know, because they want to go outside with nature, Mm. with grass, with trees, with everything. And he went, absolutely love your idea. I mean, I could, I can show you one of the pieces that didn't make the cut, but you're, and you can probably explain it in your own words. So it literally is part of a tree. uh, And what I decided was I would, which is what we talk about at Margiela, is reappropriate, which means that we take something uh, that's meant to be a specific thing and we turn it into something else. We re- reappropriate it, like a shirt could be a pair of trousers or a hat. Right? This was a branch that fell okay. off a tree, and well, that was the crown that they were wearing. But instead, instead, right, there there were there was a there was a, a, a bird that left loads of these kind of feathers. So what I've done is I've replaced the leaves. Oh, wow. With okay. feathers. You know, and stuff like that. So I, I get uh, the opportunity, the, the, the lucky opportunity, to be able to be as creative as I want. doesn't really yeah. matter, you know. And the funny thing is, right, the the hair accessories that I did they actually didn't end up in the hair they were reappropriated in the clothing we used them as buttons.
0: Okay that is that is incredible. I need to
1: you know, you know what I mean. So we we're, we're we're really really flexible. We're we like this big family that just help each other and it doesn't matter where an idea comes from it, it, it's it's like totally irrelevant. Yeah yeah, you know, yeah it's yeah. totally irrelevant. You know, like, it doesn't matter. As long as it's amazing, we'll just put everything (laughs) into the plot, you know, and and, and kind of craft it in that way, because we all all have the same objective. Like, we want to do an amazing presentation. You know, that's
0: that's beautiful. Uh, look, I need to describe it so that people understand what it is you just showed me. <laughs> uh, and, 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 no and well, hey, I, I, I hope I hope that this does it justice. But straight away, I thought of those sort of laurel wreaths that yeah. you sort of see sometimes at the Olympics, mm-hmm. you know, when they're talking about, you know, the history of the Olympics. And they talk about Greece and Athens and they have like this laurel. You know, sort of wreath put around you know the the uh, the woman's head, and it sort of reminded me of that. But instead of there being leaves on the end of the of the twigs, and that's so obviously what those laurel wreaths were made of, you've replaced the leaves with feathers, and it just looked stunning. That's was that incredible. So yeah. so you, you've I didn't want to interrupt you there, but that whole idea of collaboration is so incredibly
1: important, isn't it? like to build a collaboration, team right collaboration right is uh, to, to 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 me uh, collaboration really is is about uh is about connecting with 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 people and seeing seeing the value of what they do right and kind of jumping into their world it's really about communicating and uh uh and and having the same goal to produce something that is hopefully incredible. <laughs> I mean, you know, like, I mean, I, I, I do stuff up quite a lot as well, right? I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not, not perfect in that, but those mistakes always lead to new ideas. So, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like, I, I really honor the process. The process is, is absolutely the most important thing, with, without a doubt. Yeah, process initiates the outcome for sure. You know, and you've got to be open to the process, right, and you've got to be open to the process changing as well. Normally, right, it changes for the better. It really does if you're in true collaboration with someone.
0: Yeah, that's such an yeah. important statement. Such an important statement. Where, where does – I've, I've written this down as you were talking. I don't know if it makes sense. I wanted to ask it to you. Uh, where does fashion stop and art start? It
1: doesn't. It's the same thing. Okay. For, for me, for me, it is, you know. Um, yeah. But I, I guess, right, I guess the path I've travelled's not probably the normal, the norm. Yeah, right. no, that
0: sounds good to me. Uh, That's that, the same thing. You know. It's
1: the same thing. It's the same. To me, it's the same thing. I mean, I, I don't know where, where life begins and work ends. I don't know
0: yeah it's one yeah. person one I mean, person's fashion is another is another person's art
1: so to speak yeah, you in know if you see the eye behind them, right i mean yeah. it, it's all about how you perceive things
0: yeah
1: i mean my doors are always open <laughs> you know i'm quite welcoming of new things coming in and, and, and experiencing them and learning from them you know you, don't, you know what i mean i mean it's like it's a little bit like like you you know like for instance if you take a wig right, and you think about a wig kind of emulating a hairstyle. Why does it have to emulate a hairstyle? Why can't you accessorize hair with hair? Why can't you get a wig, which is what we do for Margella as well. Yeah. Why can't you, you, you look at a wig, right, and go, I love the way the wig was made. Mm-hmm. Let me turn it inside out and put it on the head and cut mm-hmm. it. Why can't you do that? Why can't you put a wig on the wrong way? You can do anything, yeah. you know. It's just, if you believe in what you're doing, uh, there's, there's a bigger chance of people actually believing in what you
0: do, I yeah. think, as well. Yeah. When you were talking before, we are talking about designers, and you were saying yeah. that when, when you see Galliano, you know it's Galliano. You know, when you see Yoji, you know it's Yoji. Yeah. What I'm going to ask you about is, in a hair context, there are a couple of people, yourself – and, uh, and Guido. That, yeah. To me, when I see Guido's work or I see your work, I know it's yeah. Guido's work. I know it's your work. Yeah, yeah. So what is, and that's, a, that's, an incredib- that's an incredible thing to be able to achieve because within that, there's a lot of diversity as well. So what I wanted to ask you about is what is the sort of red line that runs through Eugene's work so that you know it's Eugene's work?
1: I think when you look at, my work there's uh probably a perfection to imperfection yeah if that makes any sense i
0: I um, love that uh, i love that phrase because there's a japanese term that means exactly what you just said um
1: it's oh, like perfectly perfect right yes uh, yes and perfectly uh, perfect there's a, there's a japanese it, word for it, that that has kind of more of a maybe a kind of like human quality to it yeah okay I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I I never sit down and think, you know, like what's my take on it. Like for instance, right. One of my, my favorite hairdressers of all time ever, actually, my favorite hairdresser period, apart from say someone like, you know, like the masters, like Trevor and Vidal, right. And, and Mark, uh, is a guy called Julian Dees. Yeah. Like phenomenal. Yeah. I look at his work, and I know, I just know, when I see his work, I just go, go on, Julian, you've nailed it again. Right, I love it. Love seeing what he does. To me, he's an absolute genius. Uh, And there's there's no one like that. When I look at it, it's just like poetry. Yeah, I know know exactly what you mean. Uh, The word that I was
0: thinking of, the Japanese word for imperfectly perfect, is wabi-sabi.
1: Uh, wabi-sabi. Which
0: wabi sabi means imperfectly perfect, and it's such. There
1: was a, a, there was a restaurant
0: like that in Melbourne. <laughs> oh, there you go, perfectly <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, when you work with so many different designers, you've done so many different campaigns over a long period of time. Yes. Do you have a Do you have a favourite? Do Do you have a campaign that you go, oh, Anthony, you should have a look at this. This is my absolute, you know. Do you, know what?
1: The do, you know, do you know what? I'll be very truthful, right? And I'm going to say no, right? And there's a very big reason for that, and, and that is that I am my own worst critic.
0: Yeah.
1: Right, I'm never truly satisfied with what I've done, ever. Um, and I always think that there's room for improvement, whether it be... Uh, from, from a creative standpoint, or whether it, it, it be from a, a visual standpoint, or whether it be from a, uh, uh, a, a technical standpoint. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't ever feel that, and I always feel like I'm a student. I feel like I'm not good enough. Uh, there's a lot more to learn. I, I've, I've always felt like that, and there's a lot more to experience with, with hair. Yeah. So, and I always think, like, probably my best work is probably yet to come.
0: Yeah, that's a great. That's a great attitude. In line with that, and some of the stuff you've been talking about, where where you really, you know, stretch the boundaries. How important is confidence in in being a successful editorial stylist?
1: I think it's really important, actually, and I think people have to feel that. uh, they're being cared for with really good hands and a, and, a, and, a, and a good mind, and they have to feel understood. Yeah. I think confidence, I, I think, comes with... Um, it's a fine line when we talk about confidence, humility. Confidence, confidence could be confused with uh, arrogance as well. Mm. right? Yeah. Uh, and I think it can be confused with arrogance if you don't listen to people. Yeah. And you don't take into account their perspective and what they, you know, what, 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 how they envisage something being, looking, yeah. Yeah. you know, what their take is. So I think being confident comes with listening for a start, Yeah, you know, like having really good ears and, and, and looking, at, looking at a situation. Then I think it's really down to, like, the amazing training I've had, seeing so how I can work something out technically to create that visual for that person. And then it's like, uh, how do I do something I've liked as well? So there's, there's like kind of three kind of criteria, but I'm always last, right? And I like to leave myself last because I like to get it right. And then I like to add, right? And when I've, when I've added, right, and people see what I've added, they're more confident to allow me to express myself further with the hair. Yeah. They more faith in you. They see what you've done. And then you go, well, you know, we could do this as well with the next shot and maybe that would be good with that outfit and I like the texture of that and that splash of colour there is really great. Maybe we we do this, you know. And what you do is you bring them into your world.
0: Yeah, you know? that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You
1: make a part of that experience, you, you know, and I, and I think that's really important. You know, for, for instance, like I was uh, talking with John, once. And he was saying, you know, like, I want that, I want them to feel like they've just come out of the shower. Right. And they've done their hair really quickly. And I I, I looked at it. Right. And and this is like, this is where you kind of like an idea will come to you. Right. But subliminally, like straight to you. And I said, Mm. how much of a rush, John? And he said, a rush. And I said, like a real rush. He said, yeah. I said, could they have forgot to reach the shampoo from their ear? <laughs> and he just started smiling at me. Anyway, yeah, they could do that. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And and we kind of like for his show, we gave the girls this wet hair, and then I got shampoo mm-hmm. and I whisked it up in a in a bowl, so it was like foam. And we yeah. literally threw foam onto their hair as they were going out the catwalk, and it looked fantastic. Amazing. Amazing. You know. Okay. So I mean. You, you you know if you close your minds to things and you don't go with things and you don't once you've got once you're going with them you don't push them in a direction then
0: mm.
1: you you're never going to end up in a magical place are you unless you play yeah right? and yeah. you know you, that's part that's the that's the joy of it all right isn't it yeah yeah you know knowing that you know you're doing something that's not been done before yeah know in, in that
0: context and you have to understand
1: context as well yeah that plays a big part in it
0: yeah um you touched on social media before uh and obviously your career's <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you know you, you, your career's sort of covered both ends of social media from where it is today but when you started there was no social media um how important is uh social media to you like what impacts they had on you
1: for me social media is um, it, it's like uh, it's a really great thing and it's a terrible thing at the same time
0: mm. I think
1: there's, a, there's theres a there's a massive pressure put on creatives to uh, produce right and, and and I think sometimes that can take the special quality away from what you've done, you know, because it, it is so instant. I mean, it's exciting getting information out there and, and you know, pushing the creative for sure. Uh, you know, big companies love it, you know, like product companies, they're, they're, they're all over it, mm. you know. But for me personally, it's really about um, having some, putting something out there that you want to share, that you're excited about. You know, luckily I'm excited about a lot of things that I do um, and I try to record them, um, you know, and put them out there. But I don't put everything – I don't do, like, two posts every day at certain times and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I just kind of post what I love, mm-hmm. really, what what excites me, what I find interesting. Um, and I think the whole, whole notion of having followers – I actually, personally, I don't know what that means, right? Like, who are these people that follow you? Why do they follow you? You know, it it could be, you know, some people follow you because they like your interactions with other people that connect them, that builds their following up to that, and if you follow them. And, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's a whole other world. I would love, I would just love just to be in a position where – um financial position where I could just employ someone just to kind of spend time with us and, and just do, do that for me, you know, lit- literally and just go, I'm really excited about this, how about this? And, and, and kind of have someone that you know, knows how to hashtag properly. I mean, a lot of these people employ people. I, I don't at this point. I might do in the future. Um, but I think there's a lot of pressure put on people. Uh, to 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 get X amount of followers, mm. you know, from a, a a lot of businesses, and and I think that's wrong. I, I think that's kind of a little bit immoral, and I think people should really just be looking at the ideas uh, and and the create creativity that comes from that person, and just see it as see what they do as as, as a validation, rather yeah. than they put out there as not. You know, because the more time you spend on doing stuff like that, the less time you spend on doing hair. Mm. You know, it's quite time-consuming.
0: You
1: know, I mean.
0: Yeah. At the beginning of this, you were talking about – You're talking about yourself and you said how you had this like shaved off haircut on one side of your head, like new romantic asymmetric bob on the other side of your head. And uh, what I wanted to ask you about was, and so that was obviously very raw. And that was where you were at at the time in terms of the influence from what was happening on the street and youth culture and music and everything merging together. You're now in a very, very different place. So Mm. what I wanted to ask you about was, how important is that sort of youth culture and music and all of that stuff in terms of influencing hair and what you do with hair today?
1: I would say it's very influential. And I think I'm, I've been lucky, right, because I think I came from a time where people didn't have a lot. You know, they 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 were not as privileged, so they had to create their dreams. You know, so 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 for me, um, one of the most important or inspiring right times for me came when I was about sixteen, and punk came out, mm-hmm. because really it was it it kind of pushed this kind of feeling of DIY. Forwards, you couldn't afford something, right? So therefore you would you would make something from your clothes, you would sew zips into it, right? You would turn a pair of trousers inside out and, and splat paint over them, you would mm. tear a piece of fabric, you know, you would put a safety pin in your ear, or you'd have a razor blade, you know, or you would have like a dog collar with a with a with a padlock on it. Yeah. You know. Uh, you would wear a pair of your dad's shoes that he had from the sixties. Yeah. with a pair of bondage trousers and, you, you know, mm. you get your grandma to knit you like a mohair jumper, mm. you know, like loads of old, you, you know, it, it was a very creative time and a very freeing time, yeah. I, I think. So I, I've experienced a lot of youth culture, right, in, in my time. and And I think, to be really honest with you, I think most successful designers... Uh, that, that are, are with us today have probably come from a very similar environment uh, and they understand style. For me, right, really good fashion is really um, encompasses style, comes with a vision, mm. you know. And I, and I think fashion really is about replication of style in a, in a sense, technically in terms of clothes.
0: Yeah yeah with um one of the things that's influencing well, all of us and so it should in the world today is the changing attitudes around diversity whether it's sexual diversity or cultural diversity how does that sort of change impact on what you do and how you see fashion and beauty
1: well, in it's here? this is like one of the lucky things right you know like when you when you've been working with people like John Galliano, right, he was the first person that ever put, you know, diverse people in, in his collections, the mm. very first, you know? So in a sense, you could say that I'm part of that movement, <laughs> like the beginnings of it, uh, which I guess I am. So for me, um, I f- see, I find it really quite natural in, in a sense because, you know, like I was a new romantic a punk, You know, like I've been used to going to clubs like Taboo, you know, like in the, you know, like the late 80s and stuff like that. So I know a drag queen, you know, I mean, so to to me, right, it's actually not really anything particularly new, right? It's part of my my life. The fact that the media have have jumped on stuff like that uh, is is great, you know. Um, But... I guess in a sense, I've always been part of that movement anyway, you know.
0: Okay. What about COVID? How's that, you know, what do you see the impact when we look back at it and go COVID caused this sort of change and how we look at fashion and how we think about beauty, et cetera?
1: I don't think it has caused anything actually, if I'm being really honest with you, I think okay. everything that, uh, that has existed post COVID, right. Um, has always existed except we've been so busy doing stuff that we probably not needed to do and not really had any time to think about it. And I think having that time has really brought a lot of things to the fore, you know, people yeah. can actually think now. Uh, all of these, all of, everything that we're dealing with today has always existed. It's just that we've not been aware of it because we've been so busy, you know, and I, and I think, I, I really think it's that. And I think that, you know, it's brought the best out in some people and the worst out in others. Yeah, You know, all those cracks have just become like massive cracks now and and everything's open, which is a good thing because it, it means that we can heal those cracks because <laughs> now we see, we see them. They're not those little minute things. Everything's been magnified. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's brought on, it's sped up. What has, what has always been there and, and, and kind of let it rise to the surface. So now we can deal with all of those issues that are really important, very important, you know, culturally, uh, you, you know, sexually-preferenced in a sexually-preferenced way, whatever. You know, all of those, like, real human kind of, like, dilemmas are all very visible now. And what you're finding is you're finding there are a lot of voices. There are lots and lots of voices and lots and lots of people to listen to. Some of them are, like, incredible and some of them probably not educated enough to, to actually be able to talk about them. But but at the same time, we live in a free society and, and that's really important that people do have a voice. Yeah. However, you know, I think... When you're listening to things, I, I, I do think that you need to think about them and not just accept them. You know, you need to ask questions, uh, or I do, you know. Um, so I, I, I think, you, you know, like the diverse age we're living in, it's great. Yeah. It's great. I was saying to my daughter the other day, like, you, you know, we would, I, I did, a, did this film with uh, Margella. And we were, she came into my studio, right, and she was looking. She went, oh, she's really beautiful. And I said, yeah, she is really beautiful, right? And uh, she like she, she like she looked at me. She said, why are you saying it like that, Dad? I said, well, you see this, this beautiful girl, this beautiful woman? She said, yeah. I said, that used to be a boy. She said, what? I said, it used to be a boy. And she went she's really beautiful. I said, yeah, you know, like and we was, we were, we, you know, we got, we got onto the subject a little, a little deeper. And, uh, and, 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 and she was, she was talking about it. She said, but she, she really looks like a woman. I said, well, Rosie, I think she was made to be a woman, but she just came out in a man's body. Mm. And she said, yeah, I, I understand that. There's this, there's this guy at our school and he likes to wear dresses and, you know, and she started talking about it and the other day he was wearing lipstick. And I, I, said, I said, oh, I think it's great, you know. And she was like, yeah, I think it's great. And I think now there are so many kind of like markers out there uh, that, that kind of are giving our kids a sense of freedom or us a sense of freedom, if you like, Mm-hmm. Uh the hopefully eventually, right, the, the really great thing that'll come out of this, right, is we're just gonna see people as people. Mm-hmm. And that to me is really important. You know, that we we do we do look at the world in that way and not think, oh, you know, this person has to conform to a specific ideal. You know, I I I I think everyone deserves a choice. Uh in their life and, and they deserve to be who they should be, you mm. know. And and for me, I think that's like one of the most important things of being a human being is to be a human being and to be comfortable in your own skin,
0: mm.
1: period, you know.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of young hairdressers that they look to the Eugene Solomons of the world and they go, I want to be that person. And there's often a mystique Around what the life of an editorial hairdresser is and what session work is really like. Right. So, talk talk to us about that. What what is you know a normal I mean, day? talk
1: everyone out of this. You do realise? Well, that, right? yeah,
0: I know, I know. It's, it's good that people have a that they have a realistic expectation of what it's really
1: like. Well, I think right. If you want to work like a dog, you want to work really hard. Uh, you want to suffer with jet lag. Um, and you don't mind working very long hours and you're prepared to work for nothing to begin with, right, without ever knowing if you're gonna succeed, then I think it's the perfect job for you. Um, you know, I'll give you a little a little, little, analogy, right, and uh, your situation, it's quite common, right? You may be flown into, say, somewhere like Los Angeles, right?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and you may end up there at, like, 10 o'clock in the evening, right? You may be stuck in the airport, right, for three hours waiting for your bag or stuck in customs. By the time you get out of the airport, right, it's, like, half past 12, right? By the time you get to your hotel, it's, like, half past one. By the time you've checked into your room and unpacked, it's, like, 2 o'clock in the morning, and then you've got a 4.30 wake-up call to take you on a two-hour drive to the set, right? You're prepared to go that distance with jet lag and that lack of sleep and that amount of pressure. You're going to be perfect. You're really going to be set up. If you expect it to be a bed of roses and think you're going to step into a studio with Kim Kardashian uh, <laughs> within within like six months of your career, you could just forget it. Mm. Right. You know, if you want something, right, you've got to work for it. And you've also you you also experience a lot of discomfort right when you're kind of put in situations like that. And I think you need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. Right. If you see uncomfort as a force as a source of motivation. You're going to be brilliant at your job. You're absolutely fantastic at it and you're made to do it and you should do it. But if you don't see it in that light, you might be struggling a little bit, <laughs> you know, you might oh, be.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. You know, you're working to like, you know, deadlines, time frames, someone turning up late, you know, you know, I mean, it can be a logistic nightmare. Hmm. You know your bags could get not get on the plane. I mean, I mean, you just don't know. You you really don't know. You just have to be comfortable, right, with anything happening to you, Mm. good or bad.
0: Yeah. Okay. A lot of a lot of what we talked about so far was about um, the relationship between you and designers and doing and doing shows. Oftentimes when I talk to people that do what you do, they'll talk about the relationship with the photographer. And they'll often talk about how the photographers that they work with have opened them up to understand beauty and fashion and shape, etc., in a different way. Do, do you have any favorite photographer that you work with? Is there any photographer that you've worked with who's bought something to to Eugene that's made him, you know, grow?
1: I think everyone, everyone I've ever worked with I've, I've learned from, you know, for sure. Uh, you know, Craig McDean, um, you know, Glenn Lutchford, uh, Irving Penn, Richard Avedon, Stephen Mizell, Paolo Reversi, Stephen Klein. You've worked with all those? Yeah, I've, like, I've, yeah. Worked, I've, worked, I've worked with, with everyone. Pretty yeah, fast. that's
0: that's uh, fantastic. Yeah. At,
1: at some point, um, uh, so I think, of course, they do. I mean, you have to understand their aesthetic, right? You have to understand yeah. the world, right, and and how they see things, and you have to find a way of interpreting your vision in their way. Absolutely, you know. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? It's, it's, it's a bit like sitting down, sitting down and eating food, right? It's like. You know, you know that you're you. You know that you're eating sushi when you're eating sushi, right? You, you know it's part of the course, right? Of course, they inspire you. You wouldn't be working with them otherwise, mm. right? They wouldn't be working with you unless they thought you had something to bring to the table. Yeah, that was maybe a little bit surprising, but in their world, of course, they know mm. that everyone loves a, a good surprise, right? Mm. Most people, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, but you know, I, I think anyone that's uh, a creative, you know, you should you should you should value their opinion, right? right. And where they're coming from, listen to it. You know, it is it, totally going to help you grow, enhance what you do. Mm. You have to look at it in a positive light. You Can't be like, oh, oh, I, I, I want to do this because of this, right? Mm. You just go, well, you know. You know, the other thing that it does teach you as well, right, is it, it really teaches you about, um, about how light reacts with a person or on a person, mm-hmm. how light is really important and movement is really important, how composition is really important, how attitude is really important, how vibe is really important. It teaches you all of those things. You know, like as hairdressers, we just kind of like just cut the head off, right, and look at the hair. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I do. Yeah. You know, I don't. I I, I I haven't thought like that for years, but I used yeah. to think like that. Mm. And until you're exposed in that environment, you 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 don't know. You know, mm. you you need to experience it, or mm. at least see it. okay. Yeah. I think well, it's really important.
0: Yeah, we, we need to start wrapping up. Um, <laughs> I just I just want to wrap oh, up yeah, with like with. I've got six questions I want to ask you. Actually, there's seven. But I just All want right. to answer them really quickly. Just short, right. short, sharp answers. You'll be relieved about that. <laughs> Anthony, it's fine. Go on. First one. What's your biggest strength? My tenacity. Your tenacity. Okay. What, what drives you? Uh,
1: my tenacity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> okay. Uh, how do you stay relevant? How do you how do you constantly reinvent yourself?
1: You don't care about staying relevant. Don't consider it. Don't ever be. Don't ever want to be relevant. Always, always have your own thing. Have your own thing. You okay. can't. Don't try to be relevant ever. It's it's creative death.
0: Yeah that's a really interesting answer okay um, what's the biggest lesson that you've learnt in life not necessarily hairdressing although the I can't two are tell sort you of intermixed
1: this podcast mate but uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it came from my dad when he saw a girlfriend that I brought home once but I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't tell you uh, the biggest, say that again. Sorry,
0: I went off there, didn't I? Uh, yeah, what's, the, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in life? Not necessarily hairdressing. It came from Pat McGrath, makeup artist. I, right, okay.
1: Yes, yeah. Amazing billionaire makeup artist, genius, yeah. right? I love her. Uh, big time. Um, we were on a Jill Sander job and we have this kind of we have this connection like we we can look at each other's expressions and you you know we 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 know what with we know we know i know what's going on in her mind she knows what's going on in my mind we you know that close uh it came on when we first started out and i realized right that i was doing really quite well in my career i was doing a jill sander ad campaign Right, and I was talking away and I could feel right this foot on my foot, this pressure. And I could see Pat out the corner of my eyes, like I could see her eyes like looking at me. And she leant over and she whispered, she whispered in my ear, and she said, There's no place for Johnny Rotten in the fashion industry, Eugene. <laughs> and it was her way of just telling me just to chill out and calm down and not be so precious and to this day we laugh about it and, and it is such a truth it really is that was that was that was a moment when i realized that i needed to listen okay because i could have so got fired on yeah, yeah. because yeah. i was like li- lively little boy from southeast london you right. know, okay. uh, You know, and there, you know, in a in a Paris, in a you know, high-end Paris studio with a high-end client. Uh councillor state wasn't going to cut it, that's for sure. Right. And okay. She saved me big time. <laughs> All right, I like
0: it. Uh next one. How do you overcome adversity when things don't work out? It almost sounds like that nearly happened on that job. You you said I could have got fired. If you had got fired off that job, what I see
1: I see, adversity, I see adversity in a positive light and I see it as a as as a as a, as a sign that there's growth. I'm gonna grow. And ooh, I totally immerse myself in it. Yeah. And, and and use it as something that motivates me. Even if I'm not feeling great that day, I'll fake it. I'll yeah. totally fake it. I'll fake it like you wouldn't believe. I'll, you know, you know, I'll fake it like Daniel Day Lewis. I'll, (laughs) you wouldn't believe. And then throughout the day, over a period of time, I get to believe it. You know. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Fake it.
0: (laughs) Okay. What What do you wish you were better at?
1: I wish I was at more academic.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Unfortunately, I'm dyslexic, which means my my reading's not particularly great. You know, like the numbers dance around the page a little bit, and sure, yeah, P's become peas, and you know, uh, when I, especially when I'm tired. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'd like to be more academic.
0: But dyslexia is almost a blessing for some people, isn't it? It's because it maybe you're dyslexic that you're so creative.
1: I thought you wanted me to answer this very quickly, right? But yeah. I see it as a blessing. You did that. You did this to yourself, mate. Uh, I, I see it as a blessing. It do, because it comes with a different uh, mindset. Yeah, definitely. And I'll explain it very quickly, as quickly as I can. Right? Uh, so forgive me. Right? Um, when I learned to read, I, I was self-taught. Uh-huh. I taught myself to read uh and the way that i taught myself to read was i could read a few words right and then there would be a word that i didn't understand so i would go back to the very beginning read those words and try and work out what the following word would be okay so once i'd work that following word out i could string the sentence and then i would understand the other words Right, so I'd constantly be reading something, going back to it, thinking about something that I had a problem with. Mm -hmm. So, And and I think, right, that has massively influenced the way I work. Because I'll do something, I'll look at it, and I'll go, "Eh, that bit's not right. And i go back to the beginning, think about it, retrace myself, and then build on that. So... Yeah. So I think that's really influenced my creative process. And the really weird thing about um, dyslexia and dyspraxia, which is another thing I have, mm-hmm. very really quite minute, though it's not, it's not uh, anything that's, uh, y- you know, holding me back, is the fact that when I look at, um, a say, a fringe or side of a head, I can almost envisage what's happening behind that. So I see things in a very three-dimensional way which has become very, 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 uh, a, a massive, a massive plus in, 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 with what I do mm-hmm. really, because we work in two dimensions and if I see things in three dimensions, I can create another dimension in two dimensions. Yeah. That sort of
0: goes full circle right back to where you talked about Yoji Yamamoto and the space. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. mate. last question, uh, that was <laughs> Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I don't even know what number it is anymore. But, but but what haven't you done that you'd like to? I mean, you've worked with sort of everybody from models, photographers, magazines, you know, designers, whatever. Oh, is there oh,
1: anything on your so list much, that you have So done? much. So much. I'd love to. Uh, I'd, I'd I'd love to do uh, like a Hollywood movie. Okay. Uh, I would love to create a product line. I would love to create an educational website. I would love maybe at some point to have my own agency and nurture young hairdressers and bring them up and have them on my books. There's so much I'd love to do. Wow. Okay. I mean, like, it, you, you, yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. There's, there's so much.
0: Okay. So, so what's much. the space? What's The story's not over. We, we, yeah, have, to,
1: we are, have to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I would. Seriously, I would love to do that. I'd love to give back. And you, you know what? I guess in some strange way, I'd love to make our industry bigger, okay. right? more of a platform.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that is a perfect place to wrap this up because um, you have given back to the industry. You've given me a couple of hours of your time, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Where well, can people connect with you? On Instagram or other social media channels to sort of yeah, see who this guy Eugene Suleiman is, if they don't know.
1: On Instagram, and it's Eugene E U G E N E Suleiman S O U L E I M A N, and I'm on Instagram. I'm on nothing else because <laughs> uh, I don't have the time. However, right, my one last stop, right, is can you any anyone that's remotely interested, right, in looking. Uh, or seeing the new Martin Margiela movie that uh, John Galliano has done. It's called A Horror Folk Tale.
0: A Horror Folk Tale. I will put the link if, if in the that, show notes for that, I promise
1: you. I know okay? on YouTube, and, and it's absolutely amazing. And if anyone did have any questions in to what who I am and what I think and how I act, you'll be able to see it visually.
0: Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. All right. I will put all those links into the show notes on uh, the grow my uh, website for today's podcast. If you're listening to this podcast with Eugene Suleiman and have enjoyed it, then do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone, share it to your Instagram stories uh, and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love to know what you think. So uh, to wrap up, uh, Eugene, thank you so much
1: for oh, being no, on no, this episode right. it's been it's been it's been fantastic it's been great cool. talking to you fabulous i've enjoyed brilliant questions
0: Mate, i've enjoyed every yeah. minute of it that's really good Thanks cheers take care